Hi, everybody. I'm Brian Clapp, VP of Content and Engaged Learning for WorkInSports.com, and this is the Work in Sports Podcast. In honor of baseball returning, finally, I hope, I think, it looks that way, I wanted to bring back one of my favorite episodes over the last few years, Trip Keister from the Washington Nationals Organization. I also want to state for the record, before we get into this episode, as Bill Simmons from The Ringer gets rightfully dragged this week on social media... Not all people from Boston are racist idiots. I've never really liked Bill Simmons. Always found him to be snarky, smug, and elitist. And I see a lot of people saying things on social media like, he's from Boston. What do you expect? Well, I don't know about you, but I judge people based on their actions, not where they are from or what they look like. So don't lump me in with that clown because we share an area code. But let's get into something more positive. Trip Keister is the winningest manager in Potomac Nationals history. But he doesn't care about that. What he cares about is player development. Since the day we started this podcast, I've had fans ask repeatedly, please get someone in player development. This has been one of my big failures to date. I've struck out a lot. And I've asked in every possible league for player development representation on our podcast. And I've struck out a lot. I've likely requested interviews with 30 or 40 different people in player development and has resulted in eh, 30 or 40 pretty polite no thank yous. I've had a couple successes. Dan uh, Duquette was on earlier this year, and although his main title is GM of the Baltimore Orioles or the Boston Red Sox and the Montreal Expos, his real passion is for player development, that development of somebody from raw potential to a major league player. We've had on Dior Ginyards, the senior player manager of the NFLPA, another one of my successes, and if you ask me, one of our best interviews uh, to date. And the reason it's so interesting and such a great topic is because player development is really interesting. Helping elite athletes develop as people, serving them so they can be the best version of themselves on campus or in the minors or in the big time is really fascinating. It's a cool process. As you likely have noticed, I'm also a little obsessed with the development side of people in general. That path from student to professional is fascinating to me. The steps people take to find their true calling and to master their art form. The influencers who have guided them, the tough love that drove them, the little micro decisions that have resulted in massive change. All of this fascinates me, which is why I, like you, wanted to have more guests in player development. Well, here we go. Trip Keister. Love this guy. He is a single A manager of the Potomac Nationals. He's the winningest manager in Potomac Nationals history. But you know what it says on his LinkedIn account? That he works in player development. It doesn't say manager anywhere. It doesn't talk about his uh, achievements. No accolades of records that he set. Anything like that. It says he works in player development. He knows and understands his role. It doesn't say he's a master double switches or pitch counts says he's in development of the young men that come through his dugout. And they all do. As the manager of the Washington Nationals high A team, most, if not all, of their top draft picks and prospects start with Trip. This again fascinates me. Think about this for a second. Trip is managing a bunch of 18-year-olds embarking on their future, not just on the field, but often in their first times away from home, their first time having to manage their own lives. This makes me wonder... How is Tripp's experience developing these young men any different than Mike Judge managing the inside sales staff of the Cleveland Browns? 
is the same is managing people, managing people like it's the same across is motivation and technique and evaluation and discipline the same, whether you are developing high powered athletes or entry level employees. I found this conversation with trip fascinating and his overall approach to developing young men into really good, productive people. Success is different for everyone. Some will reach the majors, some won't. But I think they will all look back and remember the influence of Trip Keister. Let's get into it. Here's my man, Trip. Hey, Trip, how's it going today? Great, Brian. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm so excited to talk to you. You're one of the first real coaches that I've had to, been able to have on the show. And before we get into all of your role in player development and managing in the Nationals farm system, Let's get into a little bit about you. You played college ball at the University of Delaware. You were a standout player. But I'm always curious about the mindset of a college athlete. When you were in school and you're competing at this high level, were you just purely focused on being a player in the major someday? Or did you start to consider what you needed to learn and all those steps towards your post-playing days career? What's kind of your frame of mind when you're in college? Well, well, I... I definitely was more focused on sports and on baseball than I, I was on my academics. Although <laughs> I kind of always did what I had to do academically, but I I didn't really care as much until I was probably junior and senior, and my grades certainly reflected that. So it was definitely a struggle academically for me, mainly because I didn't put the time in that I probably should have. Um, but I I turned that around quickly and got and found myself. Uh, Caring more about about my academics. Uh, I always loved baseball since I was a kid, and so I always knew I was going to do something in, in in baseball, whether it's coaching or whatever. But um, yeah, and then I I turned my academic career around a little bit. My junior year, I had some great great professors that really uh, took me under their wing and got me excited about learning. And then I've subsequently gone and got my my MBA uh, years later, but. And so now I, uh, I, I, I really do enjoy learning and whether it be, uh, books, baseball, whatever it may be. So yeah, no, I, my, it took me a while to get myself together academically, but I, I did. I, and I got through. Well, it has to be a challenge as a student athlete. I mean, you have all the different, um, practices and training and travel and all the things that go into being an elite athlete to find time to balance all of that. And I mean, it has to be a, a challenging time for a student athlete, right? Well, it is, but if you want to be good at anything in life, you have to, you know, commit to doing it. So there's people that are, that are great at, 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 at a lot of things and, and you're only great or you're only really good at something by, by practicing and by doing it. So yeah, you, you commit to being, um, you commit to being a great student. You're going to, you're going to sacrifice some, some personal time. You commit to being a great athlete. You're going to sacrifice, you know, personal time and some freedom and, and that's okay. It's, that's kind of what people do to do to succeed and, to excel in anything that they do. So yeah, no, I don't, I don't look at it. I never looked at it as it was such a big commitment. You just love doing it. And everything that you have to do to prepare to be a good baseball player is the part that I really enjoyed. So yeah, I never looked at it as it was missing out or, or anything. I just enjoy, um, I enjoy being around the team and, and lifting and, and, you know, working on the cage or whatever it may be. And that, that's kind of led me just down that path. That's a really great attitude. So you get drafted by the Mets in the 1992 amateur draft. The vast majority of us will never know that feeling. So what was yeah. that? What was that like? I mean, being chosen to continue your career as a pro, like getting that call or whatever that process was. How did that feel? 
Yeah, it was great. I I wasn't I was a senior, so I didn't know if I was going to be picked. And uh, you know, the senior sign uh, signed for a thousand dollars. You know, not a lot of money, obviously. Still not a lot of money. <laughs> wasn't a lot back then, and still not. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, it was great. I, I didn't I didn't even know that I was going to be. Kind of was hoping, but I didn't know if, what teams were interested. And it was back before, obviously, the internet and cell phones and things like that. So I got a phone call that. That one night, my parents answered. I wasn't even there. I was out playing a, a, a similar baseball game, and they came and got me off the field. And it was a great feeling. And then, and then you know, you go into pro baseball, and uh, it's, it's definitely different than college. And I, I really enjoyed, I enjoyed the pro game. I enjoyed the daily, the daily, you know, grind of professional baseball. And the, uh, I really did uh, uh, enjoy being in, in, in pro baseball. So, no, it was, a, it was a great experience. Yeah, so you played 341 games in the minors, getting as high as double-A with the Binghamton Mets. What kind of life lessons, do, when you look back at that experience, I mean, everybody always talks about the bus rides and the, uh, the camaraderie with the other athletes and the, the challenge of trying to get to the majors. When you look back at it, what kind of life lessons did you kind of pull from that experience? You know, I get asked this a lot, and, uh, and, and it's an easy answer. For me, baseball, the, the, the part about it that that mirrors life is it's every day. So you have to be, um, you have to give your best every day. And as a father, as a husband, as a, as a, uh, you know, as an athlete, you have to, you know, sometimes it doesn't work out. You know, you're giving your best. And yeah, as a parent, I know sometimes you're giving your best and you're giving your best. And, and it's just, you know, it's not, it's not an easy, an easy deal, but, but, you know, with baseball, you know, with the, with the pro game, it's every day, and you have to get everything you have every day, and you do the best you can. And sometimes you, sometimes you win, and sometimes you lose. Like that as a parent, and um, it's like that when you're working a job. And, but you just keep coming, you keep grinding every day, and, and hopefully uh, things work out. And that's kind of what I take about the pro. Uh, what I love most about baseball is it's every day. You have a game every day. You compete. Um, you have a chance to win. You have a chance to get after it every night. You know, you can be the, you can strike out with the uh, uh, bases loaded and down a run one night, and then the next night you come up in the same spot and you, uh, and, and you get a base hit. So, you know, you, you just have to keep that, that, that mindset of I want to come and get back at it every night, and that's kind of what, what I love most about the pro game. I love that perspective. You jumped into coaching after your playing career. You were at the University of South Carolina. And then you became an, an amateur scout with the Padres. I have a lot of people ask me all the time about, you know, what it's like to be a scout. So tell us, give us a little bit of an insight. You were a scout for, what was it, four years with the Padres? What was that, yeah. like, what was that life like? That has to be quite a grind, right? Yeah, well, first of all, I was really fortunate when I went to the University of South Carolina. I, I worked for a guy named Ray Tanner, who people might know that followed baseball and college baseball. He's a legendary college baseball coach and I, I really, I was at an impressionable age, you know, starting my coaching career, and I got a chance to be around one of the best, you know, ever. And that was uh, that was really good after being in pro baseball too. So I got a chance to be around around Ray, and, and, and even to this day, still I consider him a good friend. We talk uh, not as much as we should, but because uh, we're both busy. But yeah, he's a he was a very uh, influential person to me. So, but yeah, then I got into scouting after coaching. I really wasn't sure about scouting when I first started. I, I had I'd always been on the field and I, I didn't, I had talked to a couple of people, 
you know, that I knew from pro baseball about scouting, about getting back in, in that, in that, uh, uh, in that field. And I started off and I didn't know what the heck I was doing. I was just chasing games and trying to find good players. And, uh, but that's kind of what every area scout does. And, uh, I really learned a lot about the game from the other side of the fence, if you will, you know, watching yeah. it from the stands and, um, you know, just really being around the, the, the scouting community. If, if you'll listen and if you'll, um, ask questions and listen to those veteran scouts, I learned so much about the game, about, about teaching the game, about, um, you know, what you look for in players and, and just really, you know, who's doing a good job in terms of teaching fundamentals when you watch games. And it's just, uh, it was an eye-opener for me. It, I, I've always missed, I know when I was scouting, I always missed being on the field, but it made me a better uh, coach watching the, the game from the other side of the fence. I will tell you that. It really did make me, make me a better coach and make me appreciate more the what the players are going through, um, what what the uh, front office is looking for, uh, things of that nature. Right. So even when you were a scout, did you always kind of have that bug for coaching, like you wanted to get back in that in that area? Did you know that was kind of your end goal? No. Um, I think when you do anything, you commit to to doing being the best you can be at that at what you're doing. I, I think I don't think you can do anything. Uh, and, and, and have your, you know, eye looking somewhere else. I, I don't work that way, but I committed to being a, a scout and doing, and, and doing that job to the best of my ability. But the one thing I always missed was that camaraderie with the players and that, that work on the field with the players. So I definitely noticed that I was drawn to that uh, again. And so, yeah, I, I enjoyed scouting. I, le- I learned so much. I really did. I really did. Uh, feel like I, looking back that I became a better coach because I scouted, but, uh, yeah. but yeah, I don't, I wouldn't say that I always was looking to get back on the field cause I wasn't, but I definitely noticed that I missed working with players. That's for sure. Yeah. So for the last eight years, you've been in the nationals organization, you're on the player development and the managerial side. You manage the mm-hmm. high A Potomac nationals, which means like the top players are in the organization are coming through you at a very young age. You get to really form these players and their, their, the belief in the, in the system and the organization and the nationals way. What's your approach? Like, how do you turn these youngsters who don't really know much of anything, maybe new to the country, maybe have all these different things coming at them? How do you turn them into performers on the field, but also leaders as men? Yeah, that's the, that's the job and that's the fun part. Um, well, first of all, the way that I kind of approach it is, is we're not in the baseball business, we're in the people business first. So I've got to find out what makes these guys tick. I got to find out, um, first of all, what they need to improve on, what they're, you know, what, what we need to work on. So I get to know the player. Um, I try to get to know the person as best I can. I think any, player that's played for me for any amount of time will, will, will tell you that I, uh, I work hard on the relationship part of the game. And because I really feel like it's like, I want them to realize that I'm in this for them, for their success. So when we, when we work at a, you know, we have early work or when we have, you know, one-on-ones or, you know, me and a, and the hitting coach and, and a hitter or me and the pitching coach and the pitcher, I don't want it to think it's a, it's a personal, like I'm just kind of riding them. I want them to know why, why that I'm doing something, why we're, we're doing something. So, um, 
you know, the, the relationship part of the game is, is a big deal to me. Um, and it has to be. When we're, we're together, you know, I'm together with those young men more than I'm with my own children. So uh, I, I truly have to affect them uh, in a positive way, not just on the field, but off the field too. Now, I, that doesn't mean I can't get after them when I have to and, and, and get on them because that, that's part of it too. But I also know when they realize that I'm in this for them and we as a staff are in this for them, we can get them to the big leagues as soon as possible um, and have everything in their, in their uh, toolkit to take with them to the big leagues when they leave, you know, us, that's, that's the way that, that, that I approach it. And that's the way that my staff uh, approaches it uh, pretty much every day. So that's, that's kind of what the way we, the way we do things. I was looking at your Twitter timeline, just as a little bit of research before we got into this interview. And I noticed that you had shared a, uh, a video of Jim Leland taking out, uh, like cussing out Barry Bonds at one point. And I saw another <laughs> one you shared where it was Gerald McCoy talking for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers talking about how tough he gets coached by Brenson Buckner. And I, it struck me that you, I, I'm guessing that you have a belief in the tough love side of coaching. Is that accurate? Oh, uh, sure. Yeah. I think just like that with parenting. So I think coaching and parenting parallel uh, each other. And so, you know, yeah, you, the reason that you get on your, your children or the, the reason that I get on your, your players is because you want them to do, to not make that mistake again. And first off, you don't ever get mad at somebody for doing something that you haven't taught them in the, in the, in the past. You know, to me, I don't ever get mad at somebody for something that I've never thought of. But when you finally get, you know, when you get, uh, when you've been through some, uh, you know, over and over again and they make that mistake, then yeah, sometimes you do have to change your tone or sometimes you do have to give a guy a kick in the pants. But, but I would never, ever get on somebody in a, you know, in a firm way without having that relationship with them to be able to do that. And that, to me, that's a big deal is establishing that relationship so they know where I'm coming from when I do have to, to get on them a little bit, they, they know that I'm coming from a place of, of respect, of, of, uh, of we're pretty much, they understand why I'm doing that and they know that I care. So that, that that's not, it's never a personal situation, but I, I'm not a big yeller. I used to be when I was a kid and, you know, I didn't understand. I'm, I don't, I don't get upset or anything anymore about, about too many things. I like to, I think the best way to do it with professional athletes and with really with, with high level athletes is you need to, you know, you can approach them all different ways. You don't have to, you don't have to get, you know, the Bobby Knight way. It doesn't quite work as much anymore. You do seem pretty chill. I'll, I'll admit you do seem like you're a pretty chill guy. Um, I, I was, uh, I remember hearing a quote from, you know, former Cowboys head coach, Jimmy Johnson. And he said that if a player fell asleep in a meeting, he'd cut them right there on the spot, like to make a scene and say, like, you're out of here, you know? And then he was like, but unless it was Troy Aikman or Emmett Smith, and then I'd get him a pillow, which I, always made me laugh. But I always, I've always kind of, <laughs> I'd always kind of wondered, like, in your world, how much do special players get special treatment? Or is it important to kind of treat everybody the same? Well, you treat everybody the same, which means you treat everybody different to me. So you, you find out, you know, which players need to be treated certain ways. Now I will take that a step further and say, I don't really think that you have any special players because they're all special. They're all special. And, and so that way, if, if I just think like that and you know, some guys, I will tell you, I've had players where, you know, great players 
that have played and, and I, if I yelled or if I raised my voice to them, they would go in a shell and they would never respond. So you have to find a way to make them respond and differently. You have to change your, your way. Now I've also had players that if I, if I, uh, uh, never raised my voice, they wouldn't respond. So you kind of have to find out what makes guys tick and, and, you know, if, if, if guys are falling asleep in meetings, maybe you do need to talk to them like, hey, man, I need a little bit more out of you. And, and, but I don't believe in, 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 you know, everybody the same. I think, yeah, you treat everybody the same because you find out what you treat everybody differently. So what makes yep. you tick might not be what makes another guy tick. So um, now, if you have to make an example, that's, you know, not, that's above my pay grade. That's not really my role sometimes <laughs> right. uh, in, in, uh, in minor league baseball. So that's somebody else. But, uh, but yeah, so I mean, we've had some fun with guys that like to throw equipment. We've tried to, there's been some things that we've done sometimes that, you know, my guy throws his helmet one time. And so we'll have a, I do a little thing the next day and we have a, we have a helmet toss. We have the, we have a little helmet toss uh, out in the outfield and see if you can throw the helmet to fly <laughs> like and see how, how ridiculous that is. Yeah. And then you go, um, this is what you look like when you're throwing equipment, so can we not do that anymore? Just little things like that. So it's, kind of, like, it's a way to address it without, you know, you know, making a scene in front of uh, a bunch of people at a game. We do it when no one's in the stands and we have a little fun with it too. they realize. But little things like that, I think, you can try to do to, to change behavior. I like those little touches. That's really cool. One thing I've noticed lately in, in, the, in the pros especially is a lot of recently retired players are becoming managers. I mean, Alex Cora, uh, Aaron yeah. Boone. I mean, you can go through the list and, and they're being very sure. successful. How important yep. is it for somebody that's been a player or like how are they identifying? Is, that, is, it, is it more about being able to relate to the players and combine that with the X's and O's? I mean, what do you think this formula is that the teams are finding out that seems to be working? question because not only are they hiring a lot of players but then there's some other guys that are hired that, that really have never played so it's yeah. a I think it's always an individual basis but baseball is a game where your experiences really matter and I think the other thing the communication the relationships the uh, the way that you communicate with players is a big deal I think the one thing about coaching that I tell every young coach that's getting into it is if it's still about you, then you're in, you're not ready to coach yet. Because it's, it should never be about you. It should always be about um, the team and the players. You know, you have to get players better and you have to really work to get to have other people have success. So that's what the job is. And so really, if you can help players and players know that, then you're going to have, have success. Players just want your help. They want you to help them. They really do. They don't care. They don't care about your uh, how great a player you are. They want to know how you can help them, and that's at the highest level too. So, and once they have that respect, I think that's a uh, that's the way to approach um, you know really any level of, of of coaching at you know college and, and, and pro baseball. How can you help? They don't care about how good you are as a player. Uh, they really don't. There's been you know guys that were great managers that didn't play in the big leagues. And there's been guys that, you know, Joe Torrey was a great player. Frank Robinson was a great player. Yep. You know, you can go down the line, Don Mattingly, um, that are managers that, that uh, so I think it's a, it, it's a variety of things, but, but yeah, the former players, I mean, they spent a lot of time in the dugout. So they've been through, um, you know, 
big league baseball at the highest level for for a long time. So they they know what the players are going through when when uh, they they struggle or when they uh, need a need a word to to help them. You're the all-time winningest manager in Potomac Nationals history, which is really good. You should pat yourself on the back for that. Um, but <laughs> is that I, a good thing? I don't know. It's pretty good. I mean, you're 40 games ahead of whoever's in second. I don't know who it is, but I'll, I'll, I'll just read the press releases. Um, <laughs> how do you weigh that, though? How do you weigh winning games against developing the players and the fundamentals of the game and the proper way for the Nationals organization? Is it really one more important than the other? Because, I mean, you got a pretty darn good record there. Yeah, it doesn't matter about the wins. Truthfully, I mean, it, it does because they're keeping score. And But I would much rather have a bunch of players, you know, get better tonight and lose a game than, you know, we, we, we sacrifice development to win a baseball game. So I, I'll turn that around and just tell you that we always, we always, you know, worry about development before we, we worry about a win. We'll never sacrifice development to win a baseball game, especially at, at the A ball. You know, at, at our level, we pitchers need to get to their pitch count, and starters need to build their arm strength and get to their number, whatever that number is that they're allowed to throw uh, at that particular game. Uh, we need to get. You know, sometimes we need to get bullpen guys in for for two inning stints, not just one, so that they're stretched out. If they, so they get to a higher level, uh, hitters need to have at bats. I mean, I had Juan Soto last year. Uh, for a little bit, he's playing with Potomac and ended up having, you know, second in the rookie of the year in the, yeah. in, um, in the national league. And, and, you know, we had to fund him. We have, we have, we have a, a, a rule and something that we've all decided with our, in our organization that we need to fund everyone, sacrifice fund everyone in, at, at, a, at a, at a certain time in the season so that they have that in their toolbox moving forward. So here we got arguably the best chance one of the best hitters in the National League, but when he was in the Carolina League last year, we sacrificed Putnam. So and people <laughs> might think, what the heck are we doing? Well, he needs to, he needs to have, he needs to bunt. At some point, he's going to have to bunt at some point in the big leagues. Maybe it might be to win a playoff game. So, you know, people, people can not understand, but that's okay. That's, they're here to win. Uh, we're here to develop them to win. Uh, games in, in Washington, not, not win games in the Carolina League. And they need to have everything. They need to go through everything that could, they could possibly go through, um, we would hope to prepare them to, uh, to win a championship in DC. We'll finish up with this because I know you've got a busy day ahead of you and I just really appreciate you taking the time to talk to all of us. I get this question a lot, so now I'm going to throw it back at you. If you could go back and you could talk to the 21 year old version of yourself, that young stud playing in the outfield, <laughs> What would you kind of advise them, that person, about? What would you want them to kind of do or take seriously to kind of, kind of set you up for success moving forward? Wow. Um, it's a tough one, I know. Well, I have made it a point in my life, and this is just me, so I, you know, whatever, but I try to always look forward. I don't look back. You know, it, 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 you learn from your mistakes, but, you know, the good Lord put eyes in front of you in the front, you say, you look ahead and I don't look, I don't look back much, but the one thing that I've always tried to, to do a better job of, especially lately, is I really try to be more present and we have a, I work in a, in a job that's demanding and it's stressful and, you know, you're always thinking about ways to get guys better or things that you could have done differently and, and I do, I, I take that home with me, I take that home with me for the off season. Trust me, you know, I, we play games a, a lot in my head in the off season, but I really try to be 
more present when I'm with with people or when I'm enjoying, you know, a great a great game or a great you know great company with my whether it be with my parents, with my kids, with your know, friends, whatever it may be. I really think you know we've got all this cell phone and everything that that takes our distracts us from from where we are. But I really do try now to be more present, and I would tell that twenty one year old to you know. Take baseball and, and get after it while you're at the field, and then go home and enjoy it. But be more present with, with who you're with, and you know that's that's ultimately just to be more present. That's what I would tell that kid. Trip, I love that answer. It's fantastic. Thank you so much for spending a little time with us today. Uh, thanks a lot for coming on. This was great. Thanks, Brian. It was a pleasure. Trip is one of those people you listen to and just feel like he is as genuine as they come. Now you just see him interacting you can visualize it so easily him interacting with his players his given him giving it to them straight him you know knowing when to push hard or when to listen and give him a shoulder to cry on knowing when to, to help and and show up or when to kind of push him harder i just love that he has that feeling and that vibe and that just I don't know, that fatherly emotion that he brings to his table. And I just really respect that. And it's great to see him and his perspective and learn from him and just really fully understand the depth and, and effort that he goes into to develop his players as more than just athletes. Thanks for listening, everybody. It's always a pleasure to have you on here. Please share, review, uh, like, do whatever you can to help us build this audience because I get better and better guests. The more people that are listening, it makes it so much easier to pitch new guests. And they love, love, love coming on this show because of all of you. And last note, put on a mask. Stop being like Aubrey Huff. Okay, don't be belligerent. Help out your fellow man. Don't be selfish. It is not hard to put on a mask, so do it. All right. Have a good weekend, everybody.